It's good to be here this morning, and uh, this is uh, the end of 2006, right? And tomorrow is a new year. And for some of us, maybe that's a good thing, and for others, uh, you know, maybe you hate to see this year go away, but uh, regardless of how you feel about it, uh, the fact is tomorrow is a new year. And as I've been reminded lately um, in these past three or four weeks, the future is sometimes threatening and it can be frightening at times too. It's always uncertain. The truth is, none of us know what lies ahead, not only in the weeks and the months ahead, but even tomorrow or the next day. Um, We can't necessarily count on the world being a better place in 2007. We can't count, for example, on world peace in spite of the best efforts of our world leaders. We can't count on a strong economy or lower gas prices no matter what the experts tell us. We can't count on politicians delivering on their promises no matter how well-intentioned they may be. We can't count on our families being intact or our loved ones being here a year from now either. The truth is, there are no guarantees in life. And as you hear me preach this morning, please know this. Um, I always preach to myself, right? Every, every preacher, if they say they don't, they're lying to you. So this sermon is for all of us, but it's also for me as well. But, but primarily, it's, it's for all of us. There isn't much that we can count on. Nothing in this world is absolutely permanent, predictable, or secure. And regardless of what you may think or regardless of how hard you may try, most of the things that will happen around you and to you in 2007 will be completely out of your control. So all of you control freaks who are here this morning, this is the truth. There are things that happen in life that are out of your control. So what can we count on? This is the question that I've been asking myself over the past few weeks. What can we count on anything? Anyone? What's permanent? What lasts in life? What can we hang on to? What can we really hang on to? Is there any reality? Is there any truth that sustains us throughout life? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The truth is that God is in control. You open up Scripture and you read from the beginning to the end, and the one thing that comes up over and over again is that God is in control. In this coming year, hang on to the truth that God is in control of your life. No matter how crazy, no matter how chaotic, No matter how out of control the world or your life may seem, don't lose sight of the fact that God is in control. I want you to listen to these words from 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. The writer says this, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks 
and we praise your glorious name. This passage declares that everything in heaven and everything on earth belongs to God. We say it all the time, those of us who are followers of Jesus, right? Lord, this is your money. This is your church. This is your, yours. Everything is yours. And yet I wonder how often we really believe that. It announces that God is in control of everything, that he is the Lord, that he is the king. He's the creator and he's the ruler of everything that exists. God is in charge and although it doesn't always seem like it, he has things well in hand. Nothing happens to us that God doesn't know about or that God doesn't care about. He is indeed, as we used to sing, the Lord of creation and the Lord of our lives. That's who he is. Because God is in control of everything, does this mean that we have no freedom to choose? That we're merely pawns in some cosmic chess match? It doesn't mean that. One of God's amazing, marvelous gifts to us is free choice. However, we need to acknowledge that there are many things over which we have no control. For example, we had no choice where, when, or to whom we would be born. We didn't choose our ethnicity. We didn't choose our basic personality. We didn't decide on our gifts and on our talents and on our abilities. It was God who created each of us uniquely. He made us who we are. He put us in this place at this time. It was God, as David says, who formed our inward parts, who knit us together in the womb, and who gave us life. God is in control of our lives. And as we begin this new year, there are three facts, three truths that I want you to remember. And I pray that these truths, these facts, bring you encouragement and bring you comfort and bring you confidence in the weeks ahead. Here's the first fact. Because God is in control, our plans have limits. Because God is in control, our plans have limits. Contrary to what you may think, the sky is not the limit. <laughs> you really can't do everything that you set your mind to. No matter how talented or intelligent or gifted you may be, there are limits. There are limits. Some of you know that really well. Some of you are still discovering that your life has limits. God sets limits on our lives. He establishes boundaries. Because I believe that God knows that you and I can easily kind of get out of control. Certainly when we're younger, you know, we want to do everything. Everything. But there are boundaries. Proverbs 19.21 says this, The human heart may devise many plans, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. How many plans have you devised over the years? How many things have you wanted to do? How many things have you tried to do? How often have these plans turned out differently than what you expected? I suppose if you were honest, you'd say, well, more times than not, things don't always turn out the way that we plan. Is it possible? Is it possible that God had other plans for you? I think so. At best, our plans should always be tentative. 
This is because God is the one who is in control of our lives. He often has a better idea or a better plan than we do. Do you believe that? It's true. I think back on some of the crazy decisions that I've made over the years. And I wonder what God thinks. You know? We are so bent on doing things, and we're so serious, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And I wonder if God just goes, you know, that's, that's incredible. But, you know what, I have, a, I have a better idea. So, we're going to get you there, but we're going to do it in a different way. Our best plan should always be tentative. The writer of Proverbs, again, reminds us, we make our plans, but God always has the final word. I love that translation. We make plans, but God always has the, the final word, the last word. I am not suggesting that you and I stop planning for the future or that we stop setting goals. In fact, Scripture tells us to make plans, to be intentional about our lives, about the way we live and what we do. But Scripture also tells us to count on God to direct our lives. Plan, set goals, but don't be presumptuous. Your plans should always be tentative. And above all else, pray. Pray that you may know God's will. His direction for your life. His purpose in every area of your life. Pray. Pray that God will show you what to do with your ministry, with your relationships, with your money, with your job, with everything in your life. Nothing is off limits. Pray. You know, the older I get, the more I understand that my best plans, the ones that seem absolutely right, my best efforts are really only tentative. Now more than ever, I understand clearly that I am not in control of my life. My ministry, or my family, or my church, God is the one who's in control. My plans have limits. And so do yours. Plan. Be intentional. But don't be presumptuous. Trust God. He's in control. Here's the second fact I want you to remember. Because God is in control, our problems, our difficulties have purpose. Because God is in control, our difficulties and our problems have a purpose. I find great hope and comfort in this truth. Life is not merely a series of random, purposeless events, contrary to what some people may say. If you are a believer, you should be encouraged by the fact that everything that happens in your life, and I mean everything, counts for something. Nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted. Nothing comes into your life accidentally. Your problems, your difficulties, your struggles, all of them have ultimately a purpose. I've always been fond of these words, and we used to put them in our worship program, and I don't even know where they came from, but I, but I came across them the other day, and this is what they say. Our broken lives are not lost or useless. God comes in, and He takes the calamity, and He uses it victoriously, working out His wonderful plan of love for each one of us. Nothing is wasted in God's economy in our lives. Clearly not everything that happens to us is God's will. We live in a fallen and in a diseased world where things are not as they should be, where bad things happen to good people and good things happen 
to bad people. God is not the author of evil. He doesn't punish us for our mistakes, nor does He cause bad things to happen to us in order to teach us a lesson. That isn't the God that we serve. That is not the God that we worship. And I know that some of us this morning feel like that's who God is. You know, I do this, I mess up, God does this. He's not that mean Father who punishes us. He's the gracious, loving, heavenly Father who walks with us. When we face difficulties in life, God is right there with us. When we're overwhelmed, He walks by our side. There are times, in fact, when He carries us because we can't go on. When we despair, God's heart breaks for us. When we weep, the Lord weeps with us. He is our loving and our gracious Father. And He will use all of our difficulties and all of our problems, every one of them, to shape us into His likeness, into His character. The goal of our faith is to become more like Christ, and Christ will use everything. Everything that you've gone through, everything that you will go through, to make you more like Him. I don't understand how it works, but it's the truth. There's nothing wasted in our lives. God uses everything He uses the trials and the tribulations to bring about something amazing and incredible in our lives. I didn't believe this ten years ago. I didn't believe it five years ago. I didn't believe that God could possibly use some of the stuff in my past, some of the difficulties that I've faced, to do anything positive. You know how you sort of live your life and you think, well, I lived my life this way up to this point, and then, you know, I became a believer... My life changed, and and so all of that is sort of past history. Never to be repeated, hopefully, never to be thought of again. And yet, the reality is that, yeah, we come to a point where we we turn, right? We, We go in a new direction. We decide to become followers of Christ. But that doesn't negate all that God did before that. You see, He created us. And He loved us even before we prayed that prayer or made that commitment. And He uses everything. And He brings us to this point. And just when you think you've gotten to the point, here's me. God, just give me a a season of time where I can just relax. You know, where everything's okay in my marriage and with my family, with my, you know. And I think we kind of live that way. And so I'm sharing that this morning with the teachers upstairs. And uh, Vibeka Kloki says, well, I don't read anywhere in Scripture where God ever let people sort of kick back and get fat. <laughs> and when they did, this was my word, by the way. When they did, you think about the Israelites, right? When they did kick back and get fat, bad things happened, right? So what's the purpose, ultimately, of, you know, a season of doing nothing when the goal in our lives is for us to become more like Christ? You understand what I mean by that? It really doesn't serve a purpose. It's like, you know, how am I going to become more like him if I'm just getting fat and happy and nothing's going on in my life? Now, granted, sometimes it would be nice if things were a little less drastic, but it seems like with us human beings, the only way we get the point is to get whacked across the head with a two-by-four. And yet God doesn't orchestrate those things, but he uses them. That's the amazing thing. God still brings resurrection out of crucifixion. Do you believe that? God still brings resurrection out of crucifixion. He delights 
in bringing something good out of something bad. He delights in turning despair into hope. That's who God is. He's still an expert at turning things around. Not only our lives, but situations. Turning us upside down, giving us another chance. Our God is truly a God of recovery. He doesn't waste anything. He recovers what was and makes it even better. So no matter what you may encounter in this coming year, God, in some incredible way, has a purpose behind it. And Peter reminds us. Listen to these words from 1 Peter. He says, Although we may be temporarily harassed by trials of all kinds, this is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. Do you feel harassed sometimes by trials and difficulties? It's no accident. God uses those things to refine you and to make you more like His Son, Christ. So the right response, the appropriate response to the difficulties that we face is to look past the pain, and I don't mean that we don't acknowledge it, and to trust God's purpose in it all. So we, 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 we grieve. We cry. We struggle. But in the midst of that, we recognize that there is a bigger thing going on. I said this four weeks ago, the first Sunday in Advent. We're talking about the second coming of Christ. And I said, no matter what you face, keep in mind that God has a bigger plan. And so I'm saying it again in a different way. That we look past the difficulty and the struggle and we live in it, and we walk in it, but we realize that God has a bigger plan, a bigger purpose in our lives. And His purpose is ultimately to make us more like Christ, to make our faith real and genuine, to prove it, as it says in this passage, because it's infinitely more valuable than gold. There is nothing more valuable or more important than our faith and our trust in God. You strip everything away, and that's what you have. It was interesting kind of watching all the stuff around Gerald Ford's death and his memorial service. They would play little snippets of his uh, speeches. And um, I, I always think back in the 1970s, he was always the subject of Saturday Night Live's worst skits, right? Because he was kind of bumbling and fumbling and all that. But he made a comment. I guess he was speaking to the House of Representatives or something at one point shortly after he became president. And he said he was going to be the president for all people. You know, for blacks, whites, browns, you know. And he said, and for, you know, those who believe in God and, and for atheists. If, if it's possible that anybody is truly an atheist after, in, in the context, after all that we'd been through as a country in the early 1970s. And I've thought about that, you know, in the context of this. And uh, I don't know that I've ever met somebody who is truly an atheist. You know? I mean, if you get right down to it, who can truly look you in the eyes and say, I don't believe in a God of any kind. Because when everything's stripped away, that's what you have. And finally, I want you to remember that because God is in control, your prayers have an impact. God hears you when you pray. I can't begin to tell you how true that is for me and my family. When someone tells me that I pray for Darlene from 12 o'clock at night until 2 o'clock in the morning, or I pray for you when I wake up 
at 3 o'clock in the morning. That means something. That matters. And that's true. I woke up at 3.10 this morning, like I do every morning, wide awake, mind racing. And you know what? I knew that I was being prayed for. And that I didn't have to worry. That I didn't have to be afraid. And um, it's made a huge difference. It's made me pray for you. It's not a waste of time. It's not an ineffective use of our time. It's the only thing that makes sense. Prayer makes a difference. It changes things. It changes circumstances. It changes people. Being with God, spending time in prayer, is the most important thing that we can do for ourselves and for other people. It is. It isn't just another thing that we check off. God understands when you can't find words to pray. God knows our hearts. You know, He knows everything that's in here. And so if you're not eloquent, you know, if you can't pray like a religious professional, it's okay. God knows your heart. I'm convinced that most of us are here today. Most of us are followers of Jesus because someone prayed for us. I know I certainly wouldn't be here. I certainly wouldn't be a pastor if it weren't for the prayers of my mother and my aunts and my grandmother, people that I didn't even know. Prayer is effective. It works. It works. And it does so because God is in control. He controls the uncontrollables in our life. He's the ultimate authority. He's the higher authority to whom we appeal. And He hears us. And John, the Apostle John, tells us that we can approach God with confidence. If we ask anything according to His will, God hears us. If we ask anything, God hears us. I believe that God delights in our prayers because it affords Him the opportunity to surprise us. To do things for us that we never thought were possible. To do things for us that we could never do for ourselves. Paul said it best in his letter to the Ephesians. God is able to accomplish abundantly more, or as one translation says, far more abundantly, than all that we can ask for or imagine. He is able to do way beyond anything that we could ever imagine. So the best way, it seems to me, to begin this new year is by acknowledging that God has control over our lives. Don't fight it. Don't run from it. Don't resist it. Accept it. Embrace it. Give in to it. Give up. Be grateful for it. God is the hound of heaven. He pursues us in His love. And some of you must be awfully tired, right, of being pursued by God because He is relentless and He won't stop coming after you until you stop and you give up. And you know what? Ultimately, that's what it means to become a follower of Christ, is to give up. To give up control and to allow God to have control. To acknowledge that God has control. That's what it means. Thank God every day. Because under His control, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. There's nothing in the entire universe, Paul says in Romans, that can devastate us or destroy us. There's nothing that can separate us from the relentless love of God in Christ. That's who God is. This year, would you let God be God? Allow Him to be both Lord of creation, but also the Lord of your life, 
Let him control the uncontrollables in your life. Don't worry. Don't be so quick to seize control of things when things begin to get out of hand. That's what we do. Try to get it all back in here, wrap our arms around it, and control it. Trust God with your life. Walk each day. Nothing ultimately is in our control anyway. Commit your life to Christ. Live for Him. And you can begin this new year with peace, with confidence, and with hope. Not that everything will be perfect, but that Christ walks with you in the midst of whatever it is that you face in this year. Amen.